this out. Well, good afternoon, everyone. This is Steve and Pastor Paul. We're here and we're bringing you the Foundations podcast. Um, and uh, how are you doing today, Pastor Paul? I'm doing great, Steve. How are you doing? I am doing well. I'm doing well. We are. We're, we're here. We're going to continue our. Um, well, last week was part one. We've been talking about. The backsliding last week we were talking about backsliding and how people can backslide and that type of thing and that talks about your person's affection as you're bringing out and what they're in that but then now this is part two and we're going to be talking about what we call well i would say blaspheming the holy spirit some people call it the unpardonable sin. Some people call it the unforgivable sin. This type of thing. But I, I want to. I want to just uh, kind of point out something here. I had in my mind here is that uh, just a little earlier today I was reading an article, and this this is not. It's kind of a side subject. I was reading an article today that talked about uh, a, a list, a list of like twenty or thirty um, Hollywood people. People are stars that are atheists. They don't believe in God. And I'm over here looking at this thing, and I'm saying, you know something? We got 20 or 30 more fools in Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and, and uh, just, just, just uh, this is a quick uh, a free one here, is that if we are looking to follow, or if, we are, if a Christian is looking for affirmation, or support for your Christianity from Hollywood, you are not going to find it. No. You're not going to find it. I mean, the, these guys, uh, the, the kinds of lives they lead and all this, they have egos the size of, uh, the you know, huge egos. And if you if you think that you that Hollywood is going to give you a movie that's just going to oh it's going to affirm your faith or what have you coming from there don't look for it it's not coming and quit following if you're doing it quit following the world the, you, yeah they're going to be a bunch of atheists and all that you don't need we don't need to be following that in our lives anyway that was just. That was just something that uh, uh, I wanted to mention, but um, anyway, okay, that was one for free. But let's we're, let's get back today. We got a good subject here. We got a, a subject that we want to dig into, and Pastor, why why blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Why is this so important? Well, the reason why I think it's important is because there has been unnecessary fear of committing this sin, and and we're going to look at the original context. And talk about you know what did Jesus actually say about this, mm -hmm. and then ask ourselves some questions on uh, if we are going to present this information, 
is it being is it being communicated correctly? And uh, and you know, and I, I've had a personal experience with this in a very negative way of thinking that I blasted in the Holy Spirit when I was just a teenager. Okay, it caused a lot of distress in my life. Yeah, and fortunately, I had a pastor who was able to to let me understand that I had not. Yeah, but while saying that, my pastor did not give an adequate understanding of what the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit was. Yeah, I also have an uncle that would be my dad's twin brother, uh, and and up until he was at least seventy years old, uh, thought that he blasphemed the Holy Spirit when wow. he was about maybe fifteen. Even though he's been in church this whole entire time, served God mm-hmm. faithfully and everything, and and uh, and I did not know that he suffered with those kind of thoughts until he revealed them to me on the phone one day, uh, about four or five years ago. And I remember looking at him and saying, uh, you know, I, I won't call his name, but he's my uncle. And I said, did you uh, attribute? Uh, any work of Jesus that he did on the earth as being demonic. And he looked at me and said, what do you mean? And I told him, well, probably what you need to do is read Mark chapter 3, because that's the actual sin that we're talking about, is that they said that he was casting out demons by Beelzebub. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And that was blaspheming the Holy Spirit. I said, did you do that? He said, well, no, I didn't do that. No. I said, well, then you didn't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And, and he was living all these years yes. with that condemnation. Yeah, that thought in the back of your mind that I'm going to end up going to hell because I've committed the unpardonable sin, and it doesn't matter that I love Jesus and that I'm involved in my church and I raise my kids for the Lord. Mm-hmm. But you forget, yeah, but you th- he kept thinking he committed the unpardonable sin. And then what happens after that? You're, you're worried that you're gonna you're you've lost out. I mean, you're going to hell. You can't you can't yeah, get there, around there's, it. There's there's no forgiveness, you know. And uh, and and you know, and and the sad thing about it is, and we're gonna like I said, we're gonna get the context yeah. of the of the scripture. And and you know, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but 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 the point here is, um, we ha- we have to look at what Jesus actually said about the event. Okay. And then we have to ask ourselves, what did it mean to the original hearers? By the way, these are terms that we call hermeneutics or context. Yes. And uh, and then we have to say, well, what is the exegesis of this? In other words, I mean, the bottom line is, how do I apply this to, to myself today? And, and to apply it, is there any apostolic teaching about this in the New Testament? Okay. And so those are questions that we're going to answer okay. and, and we're going to look at. And uh, and I think what we ought to do right now, this is out of the New King James, if you want. Yeah, go ahead. I, read I can the, just uh, read scripture. it. This mm-hmm. is really uh, a small portion. Mm-hmm. And this is Mark chapter 3, and it's going to be starting verse 22. And it says, And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, He has Beelzebub, and by the ruler of the demons he cast out demons. So he himself, or he called them to himself. In other words, so he took these Pharisees and uh, and these scribes. And anyway, he brought them down and, and called them, and he, he gave them a parable. He said, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a, and if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan is risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand but has an end. 
No one can enter a strong man's house, plunder his goods, unless he first binds a strong man, and then he will plunder his house. Assuredly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the sons of men, and whatever blasphemies they may utter, but he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation, because they said he has an unclean spirit. Okay. Now let, let's let's uh, let, I'm gonna I'm gonna break apart a little bit here. The term Beelzebub, actually in the Strong's, I'm, I'm looking at the the Greek here. It's called Beelzebul. Okay. There you go. Um, and basically it says it's the name or a name of Satan, the chief of evil spirits. Yes. They also, I'm over here looking at this, translated from this, and it says, the Lord of, the, of flies. Yeah, there's a book written about that. Yeah, yeah, and he's a prince over the demons. And so what they, they're saying is that Jesus was possessed or he was yeah well they just said he had a demon he had an unclean spirit so what they were saying is and by the way it was what matthew records the same event <clears throat> and what's interesting <clears throat> is that they the pharisees it mentions pharisees there they had done this in a, a matthew 9 and they said that when he healed a mute man that had a spirit they said he did it through belzebub the ruler of uh, the, the the demons and uh, and so there was that event and then in chapter twelve it happens again yeah. which is this is Mark's rendering of it and um, and uh, and there the same warning is you know if you speak against the son that's fine not that it's not sinful but it can be forgiven but if you speak against the Holy Spirit and so in each context what we're saying is first of all this is not a one-off event no this is a repeated sin that they were committing okay and secondly what it really what it actually meant and and, and the, like I said we just read the context whether Matthew or, or Mark either one's fine uh, is it means that when they attributed any work of the Spirit through Jesus yes. whether that's healing the sick casting out demons uh, whatever turning the water into wine whatever miracle jesus did he did by the holy spirit okay so if they said that he was possessed or demonized by belzebub saying he had an unclean spirit that was blaspheming the, the spirit, spirit because yeah. you're taking the spirit's work through him and you're saying it's a demon well okay so so let's okay so he's possessed by or he, you know using beelzebub and by the way, I did a little bit of looking on that. Is that you realize that the Satanists today? Uh, that's I mean, that's big. Beelzebub yeah. is big with Satan. Anyway, uh, but <laughs> that's getting off the subject. But anyway, um, the uh, but the Jesus. And now let's first of all say who is Jesus? Jesus, being on earth, was God in the flesh. Yes. Now he wasn't Benny Hinn. This was God in the flesh. Yes, definitely. Okay. And so, and Jesus, who who was able to, he had the power, he had the whole full power of the Trinity working within him. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then for these Pharisees, what the Pharisees and Sadducees, well, scribes? Well, well the... The, the Matthew who, who, mentions Pharisees here. It mentions scribes. So, so these scribes were saying, 
you got a demon spirit and you're doing this by the devil. Yeah. This is the devil. Um, why would you think that they would say that? What was the scribe's purpose? Well, I think they're jealous of his ministry. I think that's part of it. Okay. I think that uh, they were threatened by him. I mean, they were trying to, they plotted to kill him. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, they stirred up the crowd uh, so that the Romans would crucify Jesus on the cross. Sure. And uh, so th there's a lot of hatred here. Now, this doesn't describe every Pharisee and every scribe, but, but the religious uh, system of the day rejected uh, Jesus as a Messiah. Okay. And, and by the way, for a further study of that, you can read uh, uh, really uh, Romans 11 and 12 deal with this context okay. of, of how the, their, their rejecting of the Messiah became a blessing to the Gentiles. And, and, and we don't want to get into all that. Yeah. But, but, the, but the point, what I'm trying to say is that blaspheming the Holy Spirit was simply what it meant to every, to the people he warned about is when you say that the miracles that he's doing by the Holy Spirit, he's doing it because he has Beelzebub or he has an unclean spirit is blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Yes. And so this is this was specific. That's what it meant to them. So notice Jesus did not say that if Peter comes and he does work through the Holy Spirit and you say that about him, that that was blasphemy. No, it's specific in nature. It is to take the Messiah. Yes. He's on the earth at this moment. Yes. And to attribute his work, miraculous work, as 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 because of a demon or an unclean spirit, that was blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Now let, let, let's okay, and I I want to I want to draw the serious nature of the situation. If the scribes were successful in convincing the crowds that oh he's just he has a demon spirit within him, and um, you you know, and then uh, the, he's trying to do these things by them. He they would negate his ministry and yeah. the power of what he was doing. Think about that dude that had the the uh, the uh, the demons in him that with uh, out with the pigs that Jesus cast out, and he went into the pigs and yeah. ran over and all yeah, that. Where was that? Where was that man who was demon possessed? Where where was he positioned? Wasn't he outside, away from yeah. everybody, oh, yeah. out yeah. there in the rocks? Well, yeah, and... they, they they would put chains on him, and apparently, I guess he scared people. And and uh, and and so, what what really got to everyone more is after he cast the legion of spirits out. Uh huh. Uh, some of the people that were raising the pigs and and stuff like that that went off the cliff. They came back and they saw the man clothed in his right mind, and they asked him to leave. Yeah. Now, but, could some of that be because of these things? It's possible. Okay, and but the thing is, is that if they attributed demons, if this guy was demon possessed. He's crazy. He's just you know. Yeah. So don't listen to him. Nobody needs to listen to him. So the scribes, if they would have succeeded in convincing the crowd and the people that Jesus was demon possessed. And what he was doing, that they could basically shut down his ministry. You know, what's interesting on this is that the immediate context of Mark's gospel here, mm -hmm. where we read the preceding verses says, And the multitudes came together so that they could not so much as eat bread, but when his own people, this is his family, okay, heard about this, they went out to lay hold of him, for they said, He is out of his mind. And so, I mean, he had an attack from his own personal family. Yes. 
And then he had the religious establishment that was saying, now that's not blaspheming the Holy no, Spirit. No, 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 no. They were just saying he was crazy. Yeah. And then you have the, the scribes here coming out saying, and by the way, the Pharisees are mentioned saying it too, yeah. in Matthew's gospel, that he has Beelzebub, and by the ruler of the demons, he cast out demons. And so they are saying, you have an unclean spirit. Mm-hmm. And that's when Jesus warned them. You and know, do you think that Jesus' response said, this is serious? Yes. So his response, his reply to them saying, listen, you start saying like, that, you know, you're blasphemy. That's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. But he was saying it to whom? He was saying it to the scribes and he said it to the Pharisees. Okay, scribes and Pharisees, okay. was did, did he do it in a teaching that said all those who would uh, do this would be ascribing blasphemy in the Holy Spirit? No, he just warned, he warned them. He used a parable about a house divided against itself or Satan divided against itself, his kingdom cannot stand. And so that was a, a, an argument used there. Now, what what's, what's fascinating about this argument, though, is, uh, you know, if we are to believe, and I do believe this, that Matthew, Mark, and Luke are what we call synoptic. Gospels. Synoptic, yeah. Uh, John sort of stands on his own. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the ideal here is that Mark wrote his gospel first. Okay. Now, we don't know that to be for certain, but but there there is quite a bit of what we call church tradition, what we mean history that we can understand. Yeah, I mean, under, anything that happened in AD, the first century is, uh, you know, you, you're going to have different accounts. But anyway, but but if Mark, if it is true that Mark wrote his first, then we can say that the original teaching about this came from Mark. We know that Mark got his gospel from Peter. Okay. Yes. Um, and then Matthew and Luke used Mark's gospel as a template for their own. Now, while, you know, Matthew does record this event in two different sessions, yes. only one where the actual sin of blasphemy was brought out. Okay. Uh, Luke records this same event. In fact, this is found in um, in Luke chapter 11, 14 through 23. Okay. And he records everything in this same event but he puts two more interesting uh, 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 tidbits to it, but does not mention blaspheme of the Holy Spirit. No. He doesn't mention it. It's just fascinating there. Uh, in fact, he, he, he gives Jesus talking about, he said the same, same parable about the kingdom standing against, its, uh, you know, against itself cannot stand. And then he says, if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, then who do your sons cast them out? Mm-hmm. Well, they weren't doing it. And then he says, but if I cast out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come Come, to you. But nowhere in there is there a warning about blasphemy. No. Now, John, as we said, he doesn't write anything about it. But here here is an issue. And uh, JP, if you could go get that printout that I printed in there. Here is an issue. There, there's some questions that we need to ask, and maybe we shouldn't ask the questions until we deal with some other things. But let's go back to the original meaning, the original hearers. That, okay. that, and that would be hermeneutics. In other words, what did it mean to the people it was written to? Yes. And, uh, and so in that, it meant if you accuse Jesus of having an unclean spirit, Okay. So therefore, everything he's doing about casting out demons or healing the sick or whatever, that's attributing the work of the Spirit as demonic, 
because that's how Jesus is doing it. Yes. He's anointed by the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel, heal the, the broken Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Yeah, I mean, so, anointed me that, yeah, yeah, so every, that. whether we're talking about water into wine yes. or whether we're talking about raising the dead mm -hmm. or casting out demons or healing the sick. Okay. So they're saying he's doing it because he has Beelzebub. He's doing it through Beelzebub. He has an unclean spirit. That is by the Holy Spirit. That's what it meant to them, because we can see it right here. Yes. What did what did what did how Mark put this? Because they said he has an unclean spirit. Yes. That was his definition of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So that's what it meant. Okay. All right. Now here's what I would make an observation on. What we call exegesis is partly taking everything we know from context. Okay. We also would consider other passages. So we looked at we looked at Matthew 12. There's no distinction in the definition of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So we're Mark is saying the same thing that Matthew said. Yes, he is. Okay, so there's no argument there. Mm -hmm. We're not flying in the face of other passages. No. All right. And so then we would have to ask ourselves what is the exegesis of this? And what does, and part of exegesis is, well, what does this mean to me? Sure. How does it apply to me right now? This is, what, this is uh, April, the not April, this is uh, uh, July 29th, uh -huh. 2022. How does the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit apply to me right now? And then, so, what I have to do is ask myself once again, what did it mean to them? Yeah. Is there any apostolic teaching of this in the New Testament? And by apostolic teaching, you mean? Everything from the book of Acts to Revelation. Okay. Is there any apostolic teaching about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Is there any application that's brought from any apostle mm -hmm. about this? I mean, we have the statement that Jesus said it. Yes. So we're not arguing that point. We're not saying this is not valid. No. But what we're asking ourselves, what? So, so my contention is, all right. Let's let's just take this for a second. Let's just assume that you could blaspheme the Holy Spirit today. Okay. What would that look like? Okay. So, how would that apply? Now, I have a contention that you can't, and I'm going to give my biblical reasons for sure. that. Mm -hmm. All right. But let's just, for the fun of it, say that you could. Okay. What it would mean is that I would have to be in, in, in Israel in Jesus' day when he was physically on the earth and accuse him of doing miracles through Beelzebub. So, now, first of all, I'd have to time travel. Yeah, you'd have to time travel back. I'd have to back. time travel back there, and I would have to do that repeatedly. It wouldn't be a one-off. Okay. I'd have to repeatedly do it. And I would have to do it with intent. I would have to do it in full understanding of what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Now, first of all, we don't have time travel. No. <laughs> okay. And uh, so this pertains to his earthly ministry. Well, here's a clue. Jesus is not on the earth today. No, he's not. We know he is physically in heaven. Yes. At Jesus, I mean, at the Father's right hand. Yes. And uh, and, and so someone said, well, you know, the, the, the church is the body of Christ. 
that that is a, a very unvalid argument yeah. in this regard. Right, Jesus is not here on the earth. He is not going to come back to the earth until the end of the tribulation period at the Battle of Armageddon, mm-hmm. and uh, and and then he'll set up a a millennial reign of uh, where he will rule and reign in Jerusalem physically. Be here. Yeah. Okay, and uh, so he's not here right now. No, he's not. Now, we as a church, we are his method of evangelizing the world. Sure. Okay, so we're not saying that. He's given the Holy Spirit to us by measure. He had it without measure. Okay. So all the church collectively has the measure of the Spirit. All right, but no one individual does. No. Right, so you're talking about, first of all, he is the Son of God. He is God in the flesh. Mm -hmm. He is the second member of the Trinity. Yes. Uh, he is, uh, as Paul said, he is the one who created all things yes. that are done through him, for him, and uh, and that he everything, whether it's 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 a heaven and the earth, whether it's uh, it's thrones, principalities, rulers, any created thing. So he is a creator of Genesis one. Yes. When it says Elohim said, "Let there be light," Paul said. That was Jesus. Jesus. Okay, so, yeah, so when I say that he has Beelzebub, that's serious. Yeah. This is one who was not only God in the flesh, he had the spirit without measure. Let, let me let me pull a little bit into that scripture verse that you're saying, because when it says the sin against the blasphemy, that actually, when you pull it out in the Greek, talks about an, an eter, uh, eternal sin. Yes, it's eternal. a an eternal sin, which this is this is this kind of blew my mind a little bit. In eternal sin, what they were doing because what they would do the the well yeah you you well, exactly what you had described and explained here. This was the Son of God. This was God in the flesh. This was the one who flung the stars into heaven and created. So this particular thing was so. Bad, yes. An eternal sin against God to do something like that. Now, the brevity or the serious nature of that. But when we look at it, there is that, like you said, unless we have uh, the DeLorean that we can jump into and and you know hit uh, eighty-eight miles an hour and shoot back to the time of Jesus and do that. Uh, we really don't have that ability to do that. No, today. and there's, and and to try to make some kind of application, and and I'm just throwing out a name. I'm not, this is not meant as criticism, but but someone could say, well, what if uh, if somebody looked at Benny Hinn and said that he's healing people through Beelzebub, would that be blaspheming the Holy Spirit? No. My, how do I how do I know it's no? <clears throat> Because that's not what it meant to them. Yeah. Uh, Benny Hinn, first of all, is a man, is a sinful man, was born in sin, just like you or I were. Yes. And uh, he is not Jesus Christ. He is not God in the flesh. So, no, this was not. And, you know, I think, Pastor, a lot of ministers and ministries try to give themselves some sort of a covering. Yes. With well, some of this. It's an insulation of being not being criticized for doing things. And I'm not saying about being in here. No. I'm just talking about, you know, it's the same concept where people says, well, you know, touch not God's anointed and do his prophets no harm. Yeah. And it's amazing how people like to throw that out there so you can have no opinion about judging a man's work 
or a man's word and measure it against scripture and if you do that somehow or another I'm touching God's anointed or I'm doing his prophets harm and by the way the same prophets that are saying these things they use that passage in Amos where it says that God does nothing unless he reveals it to the prophets first I find that very interesting because I'm assuming that since Amos and what uh, what uh, uh, David said, I guess we should go back and start stoning people when they're false prophets. Yeah. Well, I don't think they want that. No, I'm sure and they I, don't. You know, and I, I certainly don't want anybody stoning me. If I no. Say, <laughs> say something wrong. Well, let, let's, here's some what I, I call interesting, interesting observations. And, and the first one we already mentioned is that Luke records the same event. Yeah. Same event there in But Luke he doesn't 11. mention blasphemy. But he doesn't mention blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. But he does mention some things that they didn't. Okay. Uh, second one, the Gospel of John doesn't even talk about it at all. Hmm. Um, the third one is, and this is one that I find very, very interesting, uh, that there is no mention of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. No. There, there is. is not, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, no. and I would dare anybody to show me the chapter and verse that it does have, because yeah. I've done an extensive look at this in the past sure. because of an incident, and and I won't say the minister's name, but I, uh, 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 pretty... Tell, so us I, a, tell us about what happened. Okay, I had a... Uh, this individual uh, has a PhD in uh, Pentecostal theology, and and, uh, and and has a valid ministry, so I'm, this is no criticism of him. And, and no. because of that, I'm not going to give his name. Okay. And he's actually preached for me on numerous occasions in the past. Okay. He put a post about blaspheming the Holy Spirit, and he made reference to certain passages in a, in in Hebrews six, and also in Hebrews ten, and tried to make that ampical to this. Okay. What. Well, Pause for just a second. Hebrews six. Let's pull that out because I'm sure people have heard this. And Hebrews six, when it says, verse four, and I'm going to just throw this out there: for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away to renew them again to repentance, uh, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. Yes, and he was using that passage along with the one in Hebrews 10, okay. uh, but, you know, about but doing despite to the Spirit. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so let me, let me just address this real quick. That was not proper hermeneutics. No. Because the whole tenor of Hebrews, which I believe is a sermon by Paul, probably written by Luke. We don't know that for sure. Okay. Or somebody closely associated with him. And uh, what was the, the message of Hebrews is that what Jesus did on the cross is a greater covenant that was given to us than what was given to Moses. That's yes. the whole argument. And Hebrews 6 and 10 are a warning to Jewish Christians about going back under the law for the sake of salvation. Yes. And that was considered apostasy, yeah. falling away to apostatize. Okay. And uh, so that's what they mean by falling away. That means just, oh, I, tur- you know, I well, sinned one too many times or whatever. Well, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, I just, I'm, I'm well, I'm going to go back under the law. I, I, I need to keep the festivals. I need to, I mm-hmm. need to uh, make sure that I'm circumcised. I need to, 
you know, I need to keep this, this or that or whatever. Uh, and if I don't do that, then what Jesus did on the cross was insufficient for my salvation. That was to to count the blood of the covenant as unholy. Okay. And uh, or or worthless. Yeah. And uh, and by the way, that's not the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit was to say that what Jesus did when he cast out demons, he did through Belzebub, mm -hmm. and that he had an unclean spirit. That's where it was. Yeah. You? So that is a misappropriation mm -hmm. of the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Okay. All right. So you know, knowing that, mm -hmm. and my respect for him, I asked a question, and the question was simple. I said, um, you know, if if you can blaspheme the Holy Spirit today, I said, why did no apostle or Paul himself, why did none of these ever warn any Gentile church about it? And, of course, his answer, which was disconcerting, was that he said, well, we're not sensationist. In other words, the kind of people who believe all the gifts of the Holy Spirit went out at whatever interval you want to believe. That's Calvinism. Yeah. And in other words, we're not a we're not sensationist. And uh, and uh, and he said whatever Jesus said was authority, and no one else had to say anything about it. And that is a total disregard for how that Scripture was transmitted to believers in the first century. And, mm -hmm. and and he should uh, by all and that that's what happens when we have tradition that passes down and we turn our brain off. Yes. And, and, yeah. And and, I, and that's why I'm not going to mention his name because there'll be somebody listening. Oh, you're talking about Doctor So and So. Yeah. I don't care if you got PhDs, Master of Divinity. It doesn't matter. You can be as dumb as a stick on anything if you don't if you don't do proper well and that, this is what we're talking about you don't when we went to the scripture and we're not negating what jesus said no, here he said it he it was said it it's, i mean this is what the word of god says but we don't you cannot it. carry this on and develop some sort of doctrine and pass this thing on from age to age to where you're you are putting condemnation upon uh, the children of God out there, people trying to live a Christian life, and you and you put that condemnation on them, where they're in bondage for how many years? Like that, you're talking about yeah, your uh, uncle from fifteen to seventy. I mean, you know that, and the thing is, is that sad. this and the why? Why does this happen? It's because they don't go to the Bible. No. And read and properly pull the information well, and, out. And one of the things that we said, and, and the reason, I, I'm glad you asked me about that, because the gentleman in question was a professor at a Bible college, uh, highly educated. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the problem we have is that we have a lot of preachers, and this is irregardless of denomination. Yes. We have a lot of preachers that are up here that do not do proper diligence when Paul told Timothy to study the Word of God or be diligent to rightly divide it, Yes, uh, the Word of Truth, and they don't do it. No, they don't. They don't study the Scripture. They don't study the context. They develop theologies based on what other men have said, and they don't. And, and, and here's, and, and before we get into some of the observations, these are two different things. Okay. We've talked about commentaries in the past. Yes. Okay, and this is, from, and I'm, I am going to uh, tell which which one which these goes, are. Yeah, sure. 
Okay, and and the first one is this is from uh, Donald Stamps. Make sure I got the right one. Yes, I do. Uh, why do I not have all of it? There? Oh, there it is. Uh, this would be from Donald Stamps. This is from the Fire Study Bible. Fire Study Bible. Now, I have a Fire Study Bible. Okay. I even have it on software. I'm not saying that the Fire Study Bible is evil. I want to make that abundantly no. clear. <laughs> but yeah. this is a case of eisegesis. Okay. And this illustrates what I'm talking about. And here in Ephesians 4.30, when it talks about grieving the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. and he says, the Holy Spirit who lives within Christians is a person who can experience deep grief or sorrow as Jesus himself did when he wept over Jerusalem or grieved on other occasions. Now, so far, this is all good. We're not dismissing that. Okay. He goes on to say, believers cause the Holy Spirit grief or pain when they ignore his presence, inner voice, or leading. And he gives some scriptures in Romans 8 and Galatians 5. You can go to Romans 8 and you can go to Galatians 5 and it doesn't talk about grieving the Holy Spirit no, there. No. We're getting into eisegesis now. Yeah, because you're making assumptions. Okay, you're taking scriptures and mm -hmm. you're applying them like that doctor did to taking uh, passages in Hebrews 6 and 10 and applying them to Mark chapter 3. Yeah. They don't have anything to do with no, each they other. Don't. Okay. Uh, and they said they can also grieve the Holy Spirit through unwholesome conversation. Now he gets a little exegete. Uh, he does a little some piece in there. Yeah, right of there. course. Verse 29, and, uh, and through hurtful, violent emotions and behavior, verse 31, now he gets back into eisegesis. Okay. He says grieving the Spirit leads to resisting the Holy Spirit. He gives Acts 7.51. That's when... Stephen called them stiff-necked and uncircumcised yeah. in their hearts, and he said, you resist the Holy Spirit. He did not talk about grieving. No, he did not talk okay. about grieving. Which can lead a person to put the spirits, uh, put out the spirit fire, quench. Yeah, quench it. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 5 19 doesn't have anything but do with grieving the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and then, and finally, to insult the Spirit of grace, that's Hebrews 10, 29, which has nothing to do with grieving the Holy Spirit. It had people calling back under the law for their salvation. You yeah. Know, uh, anyway. So what he has done here is he has, he has cherry-picked scriptures yes. and other places and tried to put them, yeah, on, put, put them all together all, the, all together with grieving the Holy and, Spirit. And the problem is all these contexts has nothing to do with what Paul was talking about in Ephesians 4.30. No. And then he goes on and says this, insulting the Spirit leads to blaspheming against the Spirit, which there is no forgiveness. Now, you know, someone reading the Fire Study Bible who who has not really looked at what Mark chapter 3 talks about, what what's going on here? I mean, they're going to have a very conflicting ideal. Yeah. Now, here's Dake. Now, he's Dave. going to take this uh, Ephesians 4.30. I wanted you to see what Dave, uh, what Donald Stamps on the Fire Study Bible yeah. said. Now, let's look at Dakes on Ephesians uh, chapter uh, 4, verse 30. He puts down here, he talks about uh, uh, bitterness, malice, uh, uh, venom. Uh, he says, any vehement passion, anger, wrath, or hatred. Uh, and he goes on to say... Uh, where does he put it right here? Uh, he talks about uh, what the, the, the word ang anger, um, and I'm not going to say that because it doesn't sound right. Every time you say anger in the uh, in the Greek, it sounds horrible. Um, 
And so he gets into some context about people evil speaking, malice, clamor. These are these are King James terms. Yeah, but but are using. In other words, he never gets into blaspheming the Holy Spirit. No, he just he just he talks about grieving. He talks about the things that mm-hmm. were associated with what Paul said in Ephesians four. And so, uh, and, and he goes. So so he's using. Yeah. The 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 actual explanation from pulling it from the context well, he, of Ephesians four. Yeah, and what he's doing, he's taking key words out of there, mm-hmm. and he's using the Greek, and he's giving you a definition of it mm-hmm. on how it's used, and, uh, and 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 so you know, and I'm not saying Dake is perfect in everything either. I mean, he does believe in a pre-Adamic world and two different floods. And, yeah, yeah. So he's got his problems too. Sure. All right, but but what I will, and by the way, I like I like Dake because while he does have some different ideals that I don't agree with, they're not essential for salvation. No. But what Donald Stamps did here is dangerous. It is. It's because that, that's so. This is a good example of what eisegesis versus now eisegesis mean. You come with some sort of idea. Yeah. And you look through the scriptures to support that idea rather than exegesis being pulled like Dake did, just to pull out from the context yeah, of the let scripture. Let the word of God speak. Let the word of God speak to you. Yes. And, and that's the proper way to and, read it. And to be honest with you, a lot of preachers are using eisegesis in their preaching. Yes. And and that's sad. Um you know, I mean, if you want to get up and present something and say, look, this is my opinion about what I think this could apply to, but... Make sure you preface it with, it's it's my opinion. Even Paul, writing about the issues of divorce and remarriage, he said, this is is not me. This is not the Lord. This is me. Yes. In other words, some of the advice he gave. Sure. You know, even... We believe that's scripture. Yes, I do. But in the context of him telling the Corinthians, he was saying, this is what the Lord commands, but this is what I'm talking about. Yes. And so he, and he was made very, a, he was clear on that. Yeah, he made a distinction, and I like that. Yeah. You know, and that should be a model that everyone that presents the Word of God, well, you know what, I think this is a possibility. Mm-hmm. But when you're dealing with issues like the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, we don't have to use eisegesis to understand this. No, no. We have a context. Yes. And it's simple. Uh, another, when we said that there was no mention of blasphemy of the Spirit in the Old Testament, this should really just, warning bells should go off. Oh, yeah. Not that what Jesus said was not valid, but it should generate some questions. Where did Jesus come up with this? I mean, that's an honest question. Yes. I mean, because most of the time, he's appealing to the Old Testament in his teachings. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and we see Paul doing the same thing, and we see every other apostle in the New Testament doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Why was this not in the Old Testament? Now, I'm going to give you my opinion. Okay. This is my opinion. I believe because the only way it is valid is that you had to be living in the first century committing the sin. Yes. Because Jesus was on the earth, and when he left, it's not valid anymore. Well, well here's a question. Could yeah. you blaspheme the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament? No, Jesus wasn't there. Yeah, Jesus wasn't there. So the, if you can't blaspheme the Holy, Holy Spirit in the Old Testament because Jesus wasn't there, 
then the logical question is, could you blaspheme the Holy Spirit now no. because no. Jesus is not here? No. I mean, it's it's kind of a, a self-explaining question. But it, there, also, there's no mention of blaspheming the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. There's when I say so. So this is not a doctor. This is not no. a, a flow throughout Scripture. No, and and when people say New Testament, well, yeah, it was right here in Mark, isn't that the New Testament? No, it's not. Mm. I mean, I realize that everybody's got that little thin piece of paper between Malachi and Matthew, and 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 everybody thinks, well, that's where the New Testament starts. First of all, you should take that little piece of paper and rip it out of your Bible <laughs> and put it in between John, John and, and Acts. Acts. Yeah. Okay, that's where you ought to put it. Yes. Because, you know, the New Testament starts with the uh the God the, well the the Acts of the Apostles that were that, that that Luke wrote to Theopolis. Yes. Okay. And by the way, he wrote the same gospel to Theopolis and Luke. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a fascinating study. Yeah, that is. And uh, but, the, but there's no mention of the blasphemy in the New Testament. And and, and what and what I what I put down here is even by Paul the Apostle Paul, who was an apostle to the Gentiles. And Paul said that he got his gospel. This is Galatians chapter 1. And he he gave a big argumentation about it. He got his gospel not from any man, not from any apostle, not from anybody. He got it from the Lord himself. Yes. He even gives us some kind of indication about when that might have happened. Okay. And so he got his gospel by revelation. And, uh, and so you look at Paul and you say, okay, so Jesus actually gave him the gospel. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was a vision. He got caught up to heaven. I don't know how that happened. But he gave him the gospel. So then, okay, what does Paul write about? All right, I listed five things. These are things that Jesus talked about. Okay. Paul wrote extensively on the Lord's Supper. Yeah. Jesus brings it up, but Paul expands it. Yeah. Where did he get that? He said he got it from Revelation from Jesus in 1 Corinthians 12. Mm-hmm. All right, or 11, I'm sorry, 11. Uh, Paul wrote to the Romans, he wrote to the Corinthians about issues of divorce and remarriage. Divorce and remarriage. Jesus made a statement about it. Paul took it way beyond that. Where did he get that? He said he got his gospel from Jesus. Yes. All right. Uh, Paul talked extensively about sexual sin. Yes. So did Jesus. Not, okay. I mean, but but he writes more deeply about it. Yes. Where did he get that? He said he got it by revelation, revelation. from Jesus. From okay. Jesus. He wrote about idolatry. Jesus talked about idolatry. Paul writes a lot about idolatry. Yes. Okay. He wrote a couple. Of, we got a couple of chapters in the Corinthian letter mm-hmm. that deal explicitly about what idols are. I mean, he got into detail. Yeah, I mean, so Jesus talked about it, but Paul Expanded did more. On it. Yeah, and then Paul wrote about the Holy Spirit. Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. He talked about blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Yes. He talked about all kinds of. He talked about the Holy Spirit being our helper. You know, quench and, not the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you, so you he, have he, all yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he talked about grieving, about all quenching, the gifts of the Spirit, walking by the Holy Spirit, living by the Holy Spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. But not one time. Did he mention blasphemy? Well, I mean, think about what the warning of Jesus was. Now, let's make an observation. Jesus said that before the cross. And we're going to say something about that in a minute. But if it were possible to commit this sin today, or in the first century when the New Testament was written. Okay. Okay, so if somebody over there in, uh, in, in Philadelphia, 
in, in Asia Minor or say uh, Ephesus. Mm-hmm. Now, we're not talking about Jerusalem here. We're talking about these are Gentile people. Okay. And knowing a little bit about how the scripture were translate, or transmitted to people, All the right. likelihood of you having a copy of the gospel is probably pretty slim at that moment. Oh, yeah. All right, so all you have is Paul's letters. He got it by revelation from Jesus himself. Yes. If you talk to someone there about blaspheming the Holy Spirit, more than likely they wouldn't even know what you were talking about. No, they about. won't. All right, secondly, if you could commit the sin, wouldn't you want to mention that? I would definitely think so. And okay, He mentioned all the others. <laughs> okay, James didn't talk about it. Yeah. He's Jesus' brother. Uh, Jude, who's also considered Jesus' brother, half-brother, yeah. didn't write about it. No. He wrote about all kinds of weird sins. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Peter, Peter, <laughs> yeah. the apostle that preached on the day of Pentecost, he wrote, he writes two letters and never brings it up. Hmm. And, and so what you're having to ask yourself is, if this is a sin that has no forgiveness in the new covenant, wouldn't you think that someone would bring some kind of application or apostolic understanding? You would think so. I mean, like I said, there, there's so many other sins that they bring about, and then the the full and expanded information we have about the Holy Spirit. Yeah. The gifts of the Spirit, the speaking in tongues, the uh, you know, all the words of knowledge and all that. All the warnings a, a about warning Paul's... about grieving the spirit, which we yeah. do see grieving the spirit. We hear about quenching the spirit. Well, what about First Timothy chapter four, verse one? He said, "In the last days, uh, people are going to fall away from the faith. They're going to give heed to seducing spirits and doctors of demons, especially blaspheming the Holy Spirit." Uh, oh, I'm sorry, was... I read that in there. Didn't yeah, I? yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he didn't no, say, he didn't say that. that. In fact, the two illustrations he gave there is they were forbidden marriage, and they would call what God called clean on certain things, you know, unclean. Unclean. Isn't that weird? I mean, you know. Uh, all the list that Paul gave are the sins of the flesh, things he warned people about. I mean, there's some ex- really big lists in Galatians, sure. some in Ephesians. I mean, we have, I think, eight different vice lists that Paul gave. Mm-hmm. Some of them are smaller. Never one time Never one does he time say, he hey, you know, there's sexual immorality, there's adultery, there's uncleanness, there's, you know, idolatry and witchcraft and divination and all these different things. Oh, yeah, and there's blasphemy in the Holy Spirit there, too. And we're going to get into the, no, there's no did. mention of it. Oh. Not one. No. So then this, these are two logical questions that I think a person should ask himself. Okay. Number one is if you still believe that quenching, I mean, I mean agree, uh, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is a sin that can be committed today, however you believe that you would do that. Yeah. Are we saying the blood of Jesus is inadequate and not good enough or insufficient to forgive it? That's a good question. Now, here, here, here's what, what, what Jesus did on the yeah. cross was not good enough. And to me, that's blasphemy to say that. Yes, I think I think it's disrespecting disrespecting the blood of Christ. I mean, the blood has the power to cover all sins, and that's what that's scriptural. Yes, I mean, I believe, and, and by the way, most of the teaching we have on this is by Paul. He talks about us being redeemed by the blood of Jesus mm-hmm. 
it comes with the forgiveness of sins. Yes. We're placed in a different kingdom. Yeah. I mean, and, and there doesn't seem to be a pre-qualifier no. of something that you could have done. And so if you could be a murderer, you could be a pedophile, you could be a homosexual, you could be a drunkard, and you can come into the kingdom. Yeah. I think it's ridiculous to say that, first of all, I don't believe a person can blaspheme the Holy Spirit today because no. it, 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 it seems to be, and I'm going to use a word that irritate people because I'm a Pentecostal and I'm not a Calvinist, but it would appear to be time sensitive to his ministry on the earth. Yes. Because you couldn't do it in the Old Testament. And if you can't do it in the Old Testament, I think it's pretty clear you can't well, do you it. Well, you ask yourself the question, too, at what point in time did this occur? Was it before or after the cross? And it's before. It's before it's the cross. It's considerably before. Jesus' ministry was only Jesus three and had a half not years. died upon the cross no, he had not. and shed his blood at that point in time. And how in the book of Acts, when it makes a record of many priests and, and, and others in that establishment that got saved after the day of Pentecost, mm -hmm. these are the same people that were saying he was casting out demons by Beelzebub. Yes, yes. And by the way, he didn't even say that they had committed it. It's a warning. Yeah. Once again, it wasn't a one-off event. Uh, it, it was a repeated thing, and, uh, and and Jesus, even even though they had this repetition, he just warned them about it. He didn't even say they did it. I mean, if we read the context, he does not say they did it. He warned them. He about warned it. them about doing yes. about. And, and once again, it, it's pre-cross. And so the second question, and uh, is should we be preaching and teaching? today that a person can, can can blaspheme the holy spirit well i i would say no we and shouldn't we shouldn't be if you're going to do that you're not preaching the word of god what is it i mean if you want to bring an application to something that isn't apples for apples here yeah but the warning in, in hebrews 10 where you count the blood of Jesus as an unholy thing and you say you do insult to the spirit of grace. Yes. Now, I know that had to go, they're going back under the law. I get that. But are we not doing a similar thing when we say that there is no forgiveness, the blood of Jesus is not good enough, are we not, in a sense, doing insulting the spirit of grace when we do that? I would think so. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the, now, now here's a, you know somebody may be listening to this or watching this and saying, well, what what about you know should you teach on the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Yes, I think you should teach what it is properly yeah, out of what the Scripture yeah, says. Te yes, teach what it really is. Yes, because you know once again, most people, including myself, who thought I blasphemed the Holy Spirit when I was a teenager. It's just because I heard somebody speaking in tongues and thought it was funny. Yeah. And I and, and fortunately I went to my pastor and he was wise enough to kind of laugh and he said, yeah. Paul, you didn't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. That's not even what that is. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I and I wasn't even trying to be ugly. I just thought it was funny. And immediately that voice came. Why did that voice come? Because preacher after preacher have been preaching about this yes. and talking about this and misapplying it to be something other than what it was. Because I never heard anybody 
I never heard anybody say what this sin was until I went to Bible college mm -hmm. and had Professor Utsi break this context down. And he didn't even say you couldn't commit it. He just broke it down into what it meant. Yeah. And when I heard that, I thought, wow, that sounds a lot different. It does. Than what I heard. And, yeah. and I went to the scripture myself. I satisfied <clears throat> myself. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, that ain't what I did. No. And preacher, there's so many preachers. So, so there's so many ideals about what this is, though what blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is or what have you. I, I, I went looking around the internet at different ones who were trying to explain it. One says, well, if, if you uh, continually reject Christ and never receive him, that's blasphemy. I said, no, that's not blasphemy in the Holy Spirit. Yes, you will go to hell for not accepting Christ. Yeah, there's all kinds of ways you can go to hell. And if you want to call that unforgiving, yeah, just reject Jesus over and over again. Uh, yeah, you'll go to you'll, you'll yeah, but that, to that's not the but blasphemy of the spirit. spirit. You could get saved if you want if if you repented. You yeah, know. well, within this Hebrews six uh, verse, there's people that feel that if they have turned away, or if they say if they're living for God and living for God, and then something happened, they turned their back or they uh, fell away for a period of time, that well, there you go, Once you're again, gone, the, the man. Bag slider. And, uh, and someone says, well, they can't receive forgiveness. Well, of course they can if they don't repent. No, you got to repent, of course. <laughs> you got to <laughs> repent. And once again, if you say that they couldn't, then what you just did is you insulted the spirit of grace and you said the blood of Jesus was not good enough. No. And, and to me, that's offensive. And yeah, that's you right. Know, I, I believe anyone that who comes offensive. to Christ in repentance will receive forgiveness of sins. And to say that this blasphemy of the spirit, which wasn't a, a, a occurred prior to his cross, yes, at that one particular point in time, in that one particular, we're talking about, and again, I keep on coming back to eternal sin. Anyway, I, I want to look more into well, that, yes. but at the same time, when he died on the cross, his blood was powerful enough to cover all sin. Yeah, I mean, like when he was up on the cross, when he says. Father, forgive them, except for all those who blaspheme the Holy Spirit. He didn't say that. He didn't that. say that. Oh, my. It's just, and once again, <clears throat> I find it frustrating because I have dealt with people, once again, my uncle, and I, and I had no idea that he was in that kind of pain. Could and you imagine? I just thought. Living with that, kind, and that, and, that, that burden for so long. You talk about something that grieved me. It, it did grieve me, and I just... Because I remember looking at him and saying, did you attribute the works of Jesus that when he was here on the earth to being through the power of a demon? Of course he did. And he never heard that of course in his he life. Did. Never heard it. Uh -uh. And he said, and that's what he said, what do you mean? And I said, you need to read Mark 3. And I talked to him about what it said, but you need to go read it. And, and, and it, yeah. you, you could, I mean, I was on the phone with him, and the thing was the relief that I could hear in his voice. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that burden had been lifted off his shoulders. And, and, and once again, this is, this is the part, you know, being a pastor myself, I have to watch my emotion on this because it irritates me to no ends. When people misapply Scripture, 
and and we see this so much today. Yeah. And and I don't want to get into all that. Here, here, here is a statement I think that is just, just one sentence I could do it. If you're a preacher, if you're ministering the gospel, supposedly ministering the gospel, if you're a preacher standing behind a pulpit, wherever it may be, on television, at a church, or what have you, stop preaching your opinion yeah. as the word of God. Yeah. I mean, if you want to get up there and there's something maybe that's not clear in Scripture, because there are things that we don't know for sure. By the way, this is not one of them. Mm -hmm. But but there are some things that are not clear. I, I get that. Sure. Uh, you know, let's just use the, <clears throat> the, 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 the thing about, say, the rapture of the church. You know, yeah. we have some, uh, some clear teachings about it, but I'm talking about when it's going to happen in relation to the last day. Now, yeah. we're pre-trib, but yeah. we're not pre-trib like a flounder with two eyes on the side of his head. Okay, we recognize that's an opinion. Yes. And and that's how I present that. Yes. I tell people this is what I believe mm -hmm. about this, but can I be concrete for sure that's how it's going to happen? No, I cannot. There is no, uh, what's the word for it? There's no shame in saying this is my opinion. Yeah. Well, this, this Sunday, this Sunday morning, I've got a long title that I'm going to give. I rarely do that. I like the things to be a little pithy on that. And and I'm gonna, and the title of it is The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, The Wrath of the Lamb, and the Prayers of the Saints. And uh, and that's Revelation 6, 7, and, uh, and 8. Yes. And, uh, and, and so in, 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 in all of that, I am going to state that I do believe these events are the tribulation. Yes. And I believe the church will be taken out before this. But I will also say that there are others that have a different opinion. Yes. And we're not going to argue over something that we don't know conclusively. No. But this is what I believe. And and, and that's how I present that. Okay. I, I, as I told somebody one time, I can I don't understand the mid trivers at all. But anyway, yeah. but I can but I can but I can take this Bible that I have right here and I can conclusively show you that it's a pre tribulation rapture. Yes. But I can take this same Bible <laughs> and show you conclusively that it's a post tribulation yep. rapture. Yep. So what does that mean? That means that nobody knows. Yeah. Now once again, that's why I presented. This is what I believe, yeah. but there's and, room for differences of opinion. Yes, and there's nothing wrong with that. When I can, I can look at Revelation six, seven, and eight, and I can deal with that. Yes, and give you at least a hermeneutical understanding of it. Mm -hmm. But even that is not as clear as we think it is. No. no. Okay. So what what's clear is the wrath of the Lamb the prayers of the saints, and there's going to be four horsemen. <laughs> there you go. That's clear. That's scripture. That, that's that's what the Bible right says. But how all that manifests in the earth, I don't know. Yeah. And and, and again, just a quick uh, uh, wrap-up of that. There's no shame in saying this is my opinion or this is what I feel that the scripture is saying. There are other opinions. Admit that. Yes. And that, But this is the word of God. And preachers, go to the Bible and actually study it. Yeah, and also, if, if, if you are a preacher or you're just a believer that's going to a local church, be, be careful 
about people who say, well, I got this by revelation. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Because you understand how subjective that is, number one. And and when people usually say that's by revelation, uh, that's when we start taking scriptures. And I'll give an illustration here, and I don't want to get into this. I realize we don't have time. But some of these, uh, these I'll call them trumpers, yes. preachers and prophets and all that other and, and and this may not even describe all the people that are doing the nonsense they're doing today, but yeah. but but I, but they were t- they were using you know when Isaiah was prophesying about Cyrus, yeah, doing that hundreds of years before he was born. Okay, and that was all in regard to people like Ezra, Nehemiah, and some of the things that you know. Anyway, not getting into all of that. People are making a concept that that was President Trump. Oh, for crying. And uh, that he was Cyrus, you know what I mean? And then some say, well, he has a Cyrus anointing. What in the world is that? And, and so when you go back and you look at what Isaiah was talking about, and then you get into some things of Nehemiah, and you, you begin to study this out in context. Yeah. The hermeneutics of those passages have nothing to do with President Trump. They have nothing to do with me. No. They're recording an actual event of what happened when God began to allow his people to come back and build a wall, build a temple, and to do some things like that. That's where we get into Zerubbabel and some of the things. Yes, yes. And, and that's amazing. Why can't we just stay with the context? I well, mean, why but, in the world can't we, we see just, there is there is an aura. There's a, a mysterious aura that these preachers want to have upon yeah, themselves so, because and, and they're they say, in the know. And they say that, well, I got this by revelation or I got caught up to heaven and Jesus told me this. No, you did not. Oh, that, you did. It, it's, it's because Jesus is not that stupid. No. Okay. And so, you know, I mean, the, the devil gave Jesus the word of God in temptation. Yes, he did. He quoted verbatim out of uh, Psalm 91. Yes. He cherry-picked it straight from there. He didn't deal with the context. He didn't do proper hermeneutics. No, of course not. You know, he just picked it. He did eisegesis, and what he did is he tried to misapply it to tempt Jesus to do something he wasn't supposed to do. And and what did Jesus talk about? How was What was his response? He went back into Deuteronomy and says, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Yeah. And that's what, and so be careful, anybody that says, oh, I, I got a revelation about this, and that revelation flies in the in the face of what the scripture actually teaches. That's not a revelation. No. And by the way, if they got it from somebody, they got it from a demon. They didn't get it from the Lord. That's right. And you see, well, and again, we always go back, if you know the Bible. Yeah. If you're properly studying the Bible, you will know when what they're saying is a bunch of hooey, uh, to use a better yeah. word than I could use. Yeah. And, and once again, that's the value of reading your Bible, studying your word, the yeah. word of God in its context. And what we teach people around here, if you want to say, well, I, I want to really just study Mark and I want to get over here and I, I tell you, I'm going to start out in chapter 11. You know what I mean? Because that's really fascinating. And I don't, I want to, I don't, I don't want to get all that other stuff before. I want to start. I want to start there, at verse twenty. Yeah. You know, and I have faith in God, and I have no clue on where it came from. If you want to understand Mark, start in the first chapter. Yeah. Start. So read the whole book. Start it's from gonna, the first. It's going to yeah. make a little bit of difference. Yeah, and the context is very important. Yeah. Now, okay, let's wrap up here. I think we've uh, we're a little bit uh, over tonight, but uh, what I want to say is this: is for those people who have been bound who have been worried, 
in their lives about committing the unpardonable or bla- they blasphemed the Holy Spirit and that they, 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 you know, I mean, we know what where this can lead. I mean, people can either turn their back on God, say, well, I blew it, so I'm just going to go live like the devil and, and just go, have. and people have done that. Now, if you listen to what we have been saying today, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is not happened back then at this particular point you cannot blaspheme the holy spirit you would have the, it would be physically in impossible for you to do so now stop living with the guilt stop living with that burden upon you this is not of god if you are a preacher out there giving all sorts of uh teachings about this and trying to manipulate people when you preach Stop it. God will hold us accountable for what we preach and what we teach. And properly read and study and interpret the word of God the way it's meant to be. Because you see the kind of damage that that can be done when this is not done properly. Now, okay. Last words, Pastor. This is probably the easiest way to define how to study your Bible. First of all, yes, the the Bible, this is the Word of God. This this is not meant to be disrespectful to it. Mm -mm. But God does not expect me to turn my brain off when I read it. No. Okay. I mean, uh, you know, think about how you would read a novel. Mm -hmm. Any novel. I don't care what kind of novel. Let's just say, say it was Old Yellow. Yeller, yeller. I was, I old yeller. Yeller. Yeah, the old, or maybe or the red fern grows. Okay. those are two there really go. good dog uh, books the, and yeah. stuff. I, they read red fern grows when I was in sixth grade. I'd go home at night and cry. It was so sad. Yeah, it was sad. Book. Okay, if you had never read either one of those books, and let's say that you turned to page fifty-six in either one of them, mm-hmm. you didn't know anything about it, never heard about it, and all of a sudden you just read maybe half the page of it and you start telling everybody what the book's about you know what you would do no first of all nobody would do that nobody's that stupid no all right don't read your bible that way no just like you would want to read the whole entire book there's 66 individual books in here when you want to study a book, if you want to read Genesis to find out what God said there, mm-hmm. start in chapter one. Yeah, start in I chapter one. Genesis is a fascinating book. Yes. It's really a lot about history. So if you like that kind of thing, it's you're good. Like it. It's good. If you want to take a say, say you hear something about in Ephesians, somebody gives something, mm-hmm. you know. What you ought to do when you heard us talk about something here, you ought to go back to Ephesians one and just read all of it. Read it. It's six, six chapters. Just it's a, read yeah, it and, and go and, through the whole thing. Go through it and 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 do the same thing you would do if you read where the red fern grows. Mm-hmm. You're gonna look at the context. Yes. You're gonna see the story flow. You're gonna see the ideals that are presented. Yes. And by doing that, you're gonna come up with a proper understanding of the Bible. Yes. That's, that's how you properly do it. And that's that's the way you do it. That's the way you do it. All righty. Well, I tell you what, we're uh, we're a little beyond time, but that's good. We needed to bring this out. I felt that we talked about the backsliding piece, but also about this uh, blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. 
And the people, I mean, there's so many, we, we, this is why we do it, is because we need to properly read and interpret and study the Bible to understand it. Uh, and not to spread a bunch of condemnation and false teaching uh, like we do, uh, like we are really combating in this day and age. So, alrighty. Um, let me see. Okay, next week, next week, August fifth, we're going to be having a live podcast uh, here at the church. We're going to be doing that, and we're going to be welcoming Cheryl Bradshaw Lockhart. And who's going to be uh, telling us the story and talking to us about? Uh, well, basically, she uh, uh, she she had uh, it was date rape, I believe, in her life. But she had that that decision she had to make on whether she was going to go ahead and have the baby or not have the baby. And we're going to be de- dealing with that next week. We're going to have her give her testimony. And uh, and see how things are, and then we'll be talking about that. And uh, in this day and age, this is something I believe is current, is is um, is in, uh, information that we need today, and we need to understand this. And uh, especially with uh, what we see with the Supreme Court and with all the uh, crazies out on the street saying that uh, fetuses are a snack, and this type of crazy stuff that we see going on today. But anyway, uh, tune in. Make sure you're watching it. We're going to go live. And uh, God bless you all. And uh, we will talk to you next week.